And now, moving on into our reviews. So, uh, my review this week will be of Shokugeki no Soma Third Plate. This is ah, the, yes. Yes, the third season of Shokugeki, the food anime that's sweeping the nation. <laughs> well... I have to say, this season shakes things up a bit with the introduction of our main antagonist. This character mm. brings with him a far darker tone to the generally intense but light-hearted cooking anime. And when so many have come for the comedy, it's not great time to be stirring in a new flavor. Of course, as someone who has read the manga up to the most recent release, I expected this alteration and was very excited for the big reveal that came with it. Sadly, the third season suffered from more than just a darker tone. For those of you still behind in your Shokugeki no Soma homework, this season starts up after an OVA where Soma meets the Elite Ten. This is a group of chefs who have taken their place in the school as the top dogs, the best of the best in their own culinary fields. Given what Soma aspires to be, he had immediately challenged the Ten to a Shokugeki, but was shot down. Now, Soma finally gets his chance to challenge some of the elite, starting with uh, Teru Nori, a chef who specializes in the cooking Chinese art of Sichuan. The battle isn't like the typical Shokugeki, however, as it occurs during a festival where the winner is decided by sales. The whole arc was rather nice, as Soma and Total Housewife material Megumi... <laughs> pair up to take on Teroni. And, as I have mentioned before, I feel like this is the best coupling of characters in the series. The arc also brought Soma and the chef of the disgusting but enslaving food now together, which even Megumi remarked was a horrible mistake. 
Sasha for best catch, girl. They meet each other and they start like trying each other's really bad food, and they're like, "Yeah, oh, this one's really bad." Oh, 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 oh. There, there honestly wasn't enough of her in that in that uh, season. I hope we get more of Sachan. She's she's like one of my favorites. Yeah, I imagine there's someone out there who's making a dojin of her and so and someone. All it is, it's like it's an erotic dojin where they're just eating each other's really bad food, <laughs> and it's just the visuals that come with it. Yep. Yeah, I I, I could ship. Yep, I could dig that. Yep. <laughs> Uh, well, things go well for Soma as he does to take he does take a win against Taroni. But before the festival ends, we meet that darker character I mentioned, Azami. This man is Erdina's father, and someone who she greatly fears due to the mental abuse and possible physical abuse he put her through as a child. See, Azami has a very skewed view of what cooking is and how it should be done. In his ideal world, all chefs prepare food the way it's supposed to be, according to him, according to his recipe, with no room for imagination or creativity or negotiation. His arrival sparks quite the change for the school, as he was able to convince a majority of the Elite Ten to remove the current chairman, Arianna's father, from the seat and put Azami in it. He then immediately begins tearing down the outliers, shutting down the rebels, and expelling students who don't meet his standards. This isn't the end of Soma and Gang, though, as Erina's grandfather pleads with Soma to protect Erina from Azami and stop him from destroying the school he had so rightly built. Thus begins the first strike. As Soma challenges Etsia, an Elite Ten in charge of shutting down clubs, to a shokugeki to protect his dorm and the secretary it offers to Erina. Or the, sorry, secretary, the sanctuary. Sanctuary, sanctuary. yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, this seemed like an unwinnable situation. All the judges were bought off by Etsia, who is more of a businessman than a chef. And even before trying Soma's dish, they had their votes set in place. Leave it to Soma to pull off the impossible, though as he puts out a dish that captivates the judges so much with its scent that they just can't bring themselves to lie. It's a nice win, and gives us one more famous, one of the more famous foodgasms of the series from the cat-like elite Ten Rindo, who tries Soma's food and kind of, well, foodgasms. Yeah. There's... Then a small series of battles against the hand-picked students of Azami, all ending in favor of the challengers. It's a rather short-lived and obvious bunch of no-names losing to established characters, so there really wasn't much anything exciting about them. It does give Alice the chance to tell her uncle off, which was probably the funniest reaction Azami gives the whole season. Where yeah, that was a just, good scene. She yeah, just looks she... up and she's like, I don't like you. And then uh, you know, everyone else is like, oh, and Asami's face is just like hidden yeah, away. He looks, and he's just... he looks genuinely offended. He actually looks like, oh, I thought I thought she would have liked me. Like, he's actually kind of surprised <laughs> that she doesn't like him. Yeah, almost, almost like that. And it's just like, like, you can tell, like, on some emotional level, he's like, that hurts. My feelings. I know. He's, that's, that's the one moment where it's just like, oh, wow. he Because he, he, he's normally not a very humorous character, but that's the one moment I thought, yeah. You know, it's yeah, more, even it's though he's fun. smiling all the time, he's kind of like uh, he's kind of like the father from um, uh, what was that anime about the tentacle sensei? Uh, oh, Coral Sensei. Uh, Coral Sensei. Classroom. He's, 
he's kind of like the 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 principal of the school. Um, maybe I I don't think I've watched far. I haven't watched uh, that far in it. The principal of the school is this really like evil dude who controls everything, including his son, who's also kind of an antagonist to the group, uh, the classroom. Oh, in fact, okay. the uh, principal even fights uh, Koro Sensei a couple of times. Uh, using his own ways of dealing with him, uh, but that's sidetracking things. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Given the short nature of the smaller battles, this leaves some room for one last hurrah. That comes in the form of a minor shokugeki between Soma and the first seat of the Elite Ten, Eishi. The battle comes down to uh, battle comes after the two work together during a class where Eishi offers Soma to become his right-hand man. Soma, after debating it for a while, turns down the offer, and the battle commences. While Soma does put out a very intriguing and food-gasm-inducing dish, Aishi's dish is on a whole different level, and utterly blows Soma's out of the water. Aishi had the better visuals, after all, so it was kind of obvious who was going to win. Yeah. While Soma's, like, blew the clothes off of Edina and, uh, her secretary, um, the Aishi's dish kind of like had this like moment where they're in like a garden petting deer. Yeah. And it's like, mm. yeah, we know who wins. Yeah. The anime ends off with a big reveal that I had actually brought up <laughs> earlier, where Soma has a discussion with Zami about why he wants to shut down all the restaurants in Japan that don't meet his standards. Turns out, Edina isn't the only one obsessed with Soma's old man. And it seems that something happened in the past that led Izami to become so jilted towards creative minds. Sadly, the reveal, which is supposed to be stunning, it's supposed to be shocking, it's supposed to be grand and fantastic, ends up feeling silly and over-dramatized with unnecessary (laughs) effects and bad cuts. Oh, it's fantastic. This is the end of the anime. Every After Effects effect, you know, just like tiles of pictures. Just, oh my god, just someone went nuts with their After Effects or Adobe Premiere. That's amazing. Yeah. In the manga, the reveal stuns Azami and Erina and has the two realize they both know Soma's father. This leads to a great scene where Erina is trying to wrap her mind around the fact that she almost denied her love interest's son from entering the school. It was really funny. Instead, we got stupid. (laughs) While not the best of the three seasons thus far, it did have its moments. But when compared to the first season, which was nothing but great moments and fresh ideas... This one felt like the leftovers from a spectacular feast. Still good, but lacking the same newness. It also had some out-of-place fan service moments that were not needed at all. But you can't have all the good at the same time, and when the next season comes around, we should see a change for the better. There will be many more Shokugekis, some of which are the most intense battles yet. Uh, the animation has remained unchanged as JC staff has this culinary delight still firmly in their core. The big question here is, did they capture the food like they did in the past? Did it make you feel like you could reach into the screen and take a bite of that chicken dinner? And the answer is, 
Sometimes? I feel like some of the dishes stood out among others, some appearing very realistic and others less so. It was almost as if JC staff had trouble with culinary creativities, uh, creation, sorry, that use pan frying and the color brown. Mm. They, they just don't seem to have a good grasp on that. The voice acting, there's a huge, huge change here. <laughs> as Ed and his voice actress changed hands, this hits you like a sticky slap in the face. As I could tell, Edna's voice was very different the first few episodes. Uh, Risa Taneda had to step up or step down from the position due to illness, and Hisako Kanemoto stepped in. Unfortunately, Hisako wasn't fooling anyone, as she lacked the royal twang in the voice that Risa had. Not to say Hisako was bad, I mean, she's got a good track record. But she just doesn't fit as well as Risa did. Eventually, she does become more settled into the position. But yeah, it's yeah. still obvious to a certain degree, even in the final episodes, that this is not the Erina we knew. Hmm. I, I guess it's, in... it's a good thing it came out... If it had to change, it's a good thing it didn't change at season two and it changed at this point, because this is at least when she's starting to feature, uh, face a change in her character, at least towards Soma. So if you were going to have to change the actress either way, it's, it better be at the point where her character's going for a change anyway, I suppose. Like, that's the only that consolation I could add. Yeah, it's the only thing I, I could I add in that, consolation. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, of course, my favourite character, without any real contenders... Soma takes this award by default. My reasons are pretty much the same for or from the previous season, with him being a character who is focused on food and is a general friend to everyone, even his potential rivals. He feels like he'd be an awesome friend to have, and even has his father's attraction with the ladies. But this isn't a harem anime, and while Erina might seem like the obvious choice for romantic parents, I will ship Soma ex Megumi to hell and back. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Get those to a bedroom and a plate of pasta. Hmm. <laughs> I, 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 get, I get. I, I'm really torn between who, who would be my OTP of the series. I'm not really sure who I'd match with him actually, because um. Well, I mean, there's Arena's only a couple of choices for Soma because there's either Erina <laughs> or there's Megumi. There's really no one else who has any chance with him, even uh, uh Nikumi. Who's you know, yeah? Our... Nikumi likes him clearly. Nikumi likes him. She likes him a lot, but like he's not even really shown. Like they've never had any real special moments. Like he's had special moments with both Erina and Megumi. He helped what Megumi about... through one of her first shokugekis, and with Erina, he helped her get over her father's abuse. Yeah. What What about Erina's uh, assistant? She likes Soma. But I believe this may come down to one of those, like, uh, my the girl I have been with and have looked up to for a long time, it's obvious to she that she likes you. I'm talking from her, her from uh, Hisuka's perspective, the secretary mm -hmm. of, of Erina. And so I will forego, like, they have a good relationship as friends because um, Soma earns her trust 
by yeah when they buddy up for the um, yeah when they the, buddy up for that uh, yeah. that arc where they're sent I off to a restaurant. I don't know what it's called again. It's that French name for a thing. Yeah, Satierge. Something like that, right? Yeah, yeah. Something French. During that part, they make good friends, and even Erin is surprised that he's supposed to be so nice to Soma. Yeah. Given the fact that she kind of hated him in the past, just for the dish that he made Erina eat at the very beginning, which made her react in such a um, embarrassed way. Yeah. So, and I I, I guess you take, I guess you think, uh, I guess you take it that that Erina's cousin is just matched more up with Rio. With the um, yeah, like I definitely see like they have a relationship already. They just don't like make it obvious to everyone. Like yeah. there's something going on behind those doors when they both go to their rooms mm. at night. Like sort, I, sort of like not... how you think the, the the cat girl number two lady, she's probably in a relationship with the number one guy. I believe so. Like in the most recent manga stuff, it's shown that she does have feelings for uh number one. But of course, our number one guy, um A she uh, Rindo and Aishi. Uh, Aishi just, well, he's completely enthralled with food. He doesn't really have a focus on anything else. Yeah. So, the only logical choices left for for Soma are Erina, who is beginning to like him, who I feel like if Soma's mother doesn't show up at some point and like, oh yeah, she's still alive. What? I never said my mother was dead. She's here all along. Take a look. Then mm-hmm. Erina may just be still enthralled with Soma's father. Right. And that leaves no one but Megumi as the obvious choice. Like, right. there's no mm-hmm. one else that could possibly fit the role for, uh, for <laughs> I, Soma. I, I'm Team Satchan still. <laughs> team who? I'm still Team Satchan. Now. Satchan. Oh, now, right, now. So, now at Soma. Yeah, get on it, uh, get on it, people. Get that uh, now at Soma fan art going. We want to see some some mm. octopus tentacles in honey um, as Soma feeds them to now. Yeah, absolutely. And like a really erotic fashion. Yeah. She's kind of like, you know, really enjoying it. Get on it. I also do want to, I want to second that comment you made about how there is unnecessary fan service a bit excessively in this one, because if you think about it, with the whole foodgasm thing, with them eating the food and stuff, right? That's enough fan service as it is. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a perfectly, like, it's a very reasonable way to have it in the show. It it adds to the whole food thing. You know, usually you don't need these other changing room scenes because, you know, like you said, foodgasm is already that. So, yeah, it's a bit excessive. Yeah, I, I just wanted to add in that. Yeah, I agree with you on that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it just didn't make sense to have them in there because it was just like I think what it was is that they didn't have any real good um, foodgasm foodgasms this season. Like none of them really mm. stood out. Like they were kind of all just the same. Like oh, their clothes are blue away. Yeah, that's true. That's the thing I missed. Really, mm. yeah, hit home. Yeah, in season two, it was amazing. Like, they'd hallucinate, they'd be, like, they'd be at a fun fair, or, like, Megumin gets, like, a stand. You know, the, the hallucinations they had when they were under the food was always really, really creative and stuff. This I time, love it's, that, it's the very that simple. fair one, too, just because, the like... The fun fair one, yeah. 
Yeah, like mm. the girl that uh, didn't like Soma, like <laughs> the one judge. And like she just uh, like at the end of it just is like, <gasps> and it's like looking around, she's holding hands with everyone else. And she's like, <laughs> let go of me. <laughs> yeah. So I, I do hope they, they improve on that in, like, in the next season or something. Just like get back to the really fun, creative ones. You know, the not just the food guys with the clothes blowing off, but those, the, the actual fun hallucinations too. We're like, you know, just parody a, lot, a bunch of stuff. Well, I can tell you from the manga, there will be some more coming. Yeah. Okay. Some good, good, good ones. Good. They're, they're still few and far between. Like, I think they're starting to, like, slow down on foodgasms. They're kind of trying to make them more special. Um, yeah. They don't just want to have, like, rapid fire anymore. But, yeah, because, uh, I they, mean, they, they, their palates become so advanced now that, you know, it'd be really hard to impress them in a way. They even go as far now to kind of, like, break... I want to say canon and uh, spoilers for the manga, but when the when some of the classmates from the dormitory try Aishi's dish during uh, Soma's and Aishi's big battle, um, Aishi's dish actually physically takes her clothes away, like. You know, oh, normally wow. it's like representation. Yeah, where like it's representation. Yeah, exactly. It's they're a, torn yeah. off and like in the imaginary, and like everyone else is kind of imagining it with them. In this mm-hmm. one, it's actually the clothes actually come off, and we end up seeing uh, a That's few funny. of the girls from his classroom and a couple of guys lose their clothes. I think it's actually um, Nikumi, uh, which mm-hmm. is amusing because she wears a bikini as it, as it is, but. We never actually see her out of her shorts. Well, now we do. Um, she's got a nice tan body. And the other girl is... Uh, it's one of his classmates. I think it's... Um, I think it might be the... or the. I'm trying to remember here. Um, what is her name? It's the, it's kind of like the one who's not the leader of the, of the class, of the, uh, dormitory, but she kind of, like, talks all the time. Uh, wait, is it the old lady? No, <laughs> not the, not the old lady. <laughs> oh, uh, the dormitory. Mmm, I, no, I don't, I don't know. I don't know who, no. Give me a moment here. I'll have it for you. Okay. 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 Yeah. So okay, here he's uh, he's got the dish. Tries the dish. He puts the dish out. Um, yeah, who is it who tries it? Oh, I thought it was a couple girls, but no, it's just Nikumi and a couple guys. That's weird. Oh, right. Uh, so yeah, Nikumi, we got her in her, uh, it's just her bikini top, and now just panties, and, uh, here, I'll copy image, I'll show you. This is the official body of, uh, Nikumi here. Ah. You know, that's not that that different from what she normally wears. Yeah, that, that tan body with, uh, yeah, with them DSLs. Hmm. That's embarrassing. Uh, yeah, slightly embarrassing. 
Uh, anyways, um, so, yeah, that uh, did it for my review. I'm going to give it a download now. As if download that uh, weren't... It's still download now, even though it didn't do as well as the first or second season. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. It's still worth watching, I'd say. You know, the quality's Definitely. still up there. Yeah, mm-hmm. they, they, they did kind of blow it at the end, but, you know, I, I think that, all things considered, especially with the next the next half of this plate coming out, Things may have been better if they just held off and released everything at once, you know, including the next season that's coming out. If it just all came out once, 24 episodes, boom, it might have been a bit better, but I don't know. Who knows? Well, what I've actually seen is that there is another season coming out in 2018, Mm. so it could just be one of those, like, you know, we took a break in between quote-unquote seasons. Yeah. Interesting strategy from JC staff. Maybe maybe they have got their hands filled with other projects or something. Yeah, um, good, good, good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I I guess I'll uh, I'll move on to my review now. It's e? um got to be another film. So it's time again to talk about one of my favorite times of the year. Scotland loves anime. So you know I love this time. You know it's it comes at the right time of the year when it's really cold and there's nothing else going on. But you know every time you go, it's always it's always going to be a good time, regardless of whether or not the film is going to be actually like a good film or bad, just because of the atmosphere. It's like a, a warm streak of light in an otherwise dark season. But moreover, it's what I'd call, um, you know, every time you go to it, there's always like a feature film that they always put in the posters, you know, like the main promotional one. So one year it was like um, A Silent Voice and one year it was like Arietti. Like, so they usually like have like a poster film that like is like the main banner of the website. It's like, oh, this year, come see this, you know, that sort of thing. So like. I usually go see the ones that are like the main poster child films of that year, like the one they're promoting and pushing the most. And one of the ones that the the, the anime that I'll be reviewing today was in fact like that you know that main one that was on the leaflet for that year, but I did not get to see it that year because um, I just didn't manage to get enough tickets. It sold out. It sold out too too quickly this time. Um, and people that I knew who had went to see it told me it was really good. So I was I was anticipating this. So later on, I did eventually get the Blu-ray. And, you know, let's just see if it was worth it. So, uh, starting from the top. Um, I actually do like the pre-title sequence. It starts with, like, this camera perspective of a city. Oh, by the way, sorry. The anime is called Patema Inverted. I didn't even say the name. It's a movie called Patema Inverted. Um, the, the pre-title sequence starts off with, like, a camera shot of a city. And it's, like, it's being filmed, like, fan footage. and But something's going terribly wrong because you can hear panicked voices. But then suddenly the buildings and even the clouds are starting to be drawn upwards as if gravity is reversed. And there's an added touch where like the voices are getting more panicky and even the opening credit words that are coming into the screen are also drifting upwards. Um, still, so this is actually a very effective scene, but then it's followed straight afterwards with a foreshadowing of one of the worst worst elements of the scene as well before it begins proper, which is a man standing in the shadows and talking about how we are different from you and going on about how descendants of sinners get devoured by the sky, exemplified by a bottle that he lets go and it it, you know, kind of just sucks up into the air like a helium balloon. But then we get a post-title sequence uh, after the Patema Inverted comes up on screen and we're introduced to our main protagonist, which is a young girl with light blue hair and whom the movie is named after called Patema. She's seen exploring a network of tunnels before she comes across a shaft-like area with air particles themselves that seem to be moving upwards, and she's captivated by such mysteries during her exploration. Returning after her flashlight gives out, Patema makes her way back to her underground civilization, and we get a backstory about how she is the granddaughter of the village chief and thus treated as a princess, before we get background as to why she enjoys exploring so much. 
So it turns out Potema, when she was younger, she was visited by this man named Lagos, who would often go out exploring just like her, much to the dismay of the chief, and he'd often bring her back souvenirs from his travels. He has not been seen as of late, but one might say that his spirit has now been passed on to her, and that leads up to the event that changes everything, whereby when she's exploring, she comes across a humanoid figure wearing a mask, but stranger still is that it is standing upside down on the ceiling. This is the rumoured bat person, as referred to by the people of her village. And as she escapes from the bat person, she accidentally falls down. And what awaits her is the surface world, which is now inverted. So then she meets our main guy character of the of the story, called Eiji, the male protagonist. And he is the resident of the surface world, who comes across Potema clinging onto a metal gate for dear life and saves her from falling into the sky. So if it's a little unclear thus far, I think I'm going to try and explain how this all works. So it's like if the earth has two sides, like a coin, and civilizations are both built on either side. Uh, and basically gravity works on each side as if like the gra- you know, as if it's like the flat earth theory, basically. So if you go from one earth to the other, you're no longer, the gravity doesn't shift. You have your own gravity that will suck you upwards, basically. Uh, the main thing you have to wrap your, he- your head around is that, you know, the whole way the gravity works it's like every everything including rocks buildings from either side runs on its own gravitational principle so two things can be on the same side of the planet but one thing will be sucked upwards and one thing will be sucked down and that's why they're inverted and my last attempt to explain this would be like if there was a hole right through the earth and i fell into it instead of like just coming out of the other side and just climbing out of a hole i would just keep falling until i ended up in outer space and met cars from jojo part two this is by (laughs) far (laughs) This is by far the most interesting part of the film, but I'll get a bit into that later. Anyways, for now, Eiji takes her to some storehouse in the middle of a field, and she is temporarily safe now, standing on the ceiling. The two form a bit of a close bond before Eiji leaves for school, and we learn about his world, which is an oppressive totalitarian state, much like my own, led by a madman who wants to find Potema's race and do something to them. And so after being discovered, it's up to Eiji to try and help Potema get back home. Along the way, we discover more into why the world has become the way it is, as well as a connection between Eiji's father and Lagos, the man that Potema idolised. Okay, so that's the story synopsis. Don't want to spoil anything else, but anyway, first things first. I really like the concept, the central concept of this film. It's really neat, like when you turn on an innovative video game where the mechanics are fresh, yet intuitive to the point that it feels like you've played it your whole life. The whole reversing gravity hook lends itself great to really big spectacle scenes uh, of the two viewing the stars and then from from Potema's perspective she's seeing like a sea of stars below her feet but you know Eiji's just looking up at the sky Um, to like a scene where Eiji is sneaking into a facility while he's cooperating with one of the inverted and they have to like cling to the roof and avoid security cameras It, it leads to a lot of creative scenarios Basically, most aspects of Potema Inverted that are linked to the whole anti-gravity thing or, you know, including the way the camera will often like flip up upside down and change orientation so that you don't get too used to the way one orientation works. It's just a very interesting sort of experience to, to at least watch visually. Now, on the flip side, everything else to do with the story and especially the themes are half-baked at best and some of the most trite excrement I've ever seen in an anime film. So first off, the plot is actually kind of dull, save for the bits and pieces sprinkled here and there. It's actually rather uneventful and very lame whenever it's focused on the sense of when it's not focused on the sense of wonder that comes from the whole gravity concept. Now the lameness is because what the film is left with when it doesn't talk about that is how much it sucks to live under a totalitarian dictatorship, which first of all, no fucking shit, but 
It also talks about how it breeds intolerance and ignorance and culminating into what I've already alluded as the worst part of this movie by far, which is the villain. Izamura is the leader of Eiji's civilization of Aiga and is one of the the most stereotypical stock yet annoyingly inconsistent villains I've ever seen in an anime or on screen in general. He has no moustache to twirl, however, in the first scene where we see his face, he can be seen clasping his hands together like Mr. Burns in a kind of excellent sort of way. I mean, they really oversell that this is the bad guy, and that you're not meant to like him, of course, because he oppresses the people he's in charge of, he hates everyone else outside of Aiga, so he's kind of racist, um, he has wronged every main character in the story in some form or another, oh, and also he's also a little bit of a rapist. But see... It's not that I can't necessarily enjoy a simple, morally black-and-white villain. M. Bison from Street Fighter, for instance, is is so that he has this element of just enjoying being bad, and he's very charismatic in the role, and I, so I can't help but just kind of enjoy when he's on screen. But Izumura is quite the opposite. First off, he's more obnoxious than anything, and the reason he is bad listed earlier are really excessive, don't you think? And worst of all, it's really hard to get a grasp of his character to the point that all I can say is that he's crazy, but not in an entertaining sense. You know, earlier I earlier on I kind of alluded to how I don't know what he wants to achieve with the inverted after watching the film twice. I still don't know. I assume he wants to kill them, but it never escalates past him trying to capture them in this film. I mean, he considers Patema and her kind to be sinners who are supposed to be swallowed up by the sky. Yet despite how abusive he is to her... He is also shocked that she didn't pick him, whatever the fuck that means. I know it seems like I'm being stuck on this one guy for a good portion of this review, but he really, he really deserves it. Uh, The weakest part of this movie is the plot, and it's best exemplified by anything involving this guy. That's not to say the rest of the cast or the story beats are really great either, but they could have been, they could have been with more time. This guy could not have been salvaged. And at least those other elements don't immediately shatter all investment I have at any given moment. Seriously, the scene that best encapsulates how this film makes me feel at times is when AJ first heads to school, he seems rather happy because he met Patema. But then as soon as he enters a conveyor belt full of the other students, you immediately see his face go from a smile to a frown. Maybe I, I you know, that, that kind of, you know, sums it up more than any words could say, but I'll move on. So wrapping up, I am very conflicted with this film. On one hand, the total two worlds thing and how they're flipped over with each other, including even things like the twist at the end, you know, they're all presented very well. And I'm not even, I, I wouldn't even, I didn't give enough attention to like how good the production quality is too. There's a lot of attention to details here and there. The character design is quite appealing. Voice work was okay. And uh, there's even some funny moments. The background art is really good too. But on the other end... A good portion of the story is gutter trash, and that's also not accounting for some of the useless supporting cast members like Eiji's classmate girl, who is important enough to be listed on my anime list, despite her doing absolutely nothing. Like, I'm not even exaggerating, she does nothing, but she's given a unique character design and and given some, like, shots as if she's going to be important. She's not important. I mean, I'm glad I watched it. I'm just really disappointed that it has such a great idea that has... A lot of potential to be interesting, just wrapped up in the most uninspired schlock imaginable. So I give Patema Inverted a Netflix. You've heard what I think about it in terms of positives and negatives. So whether or not you think it's worth giving a shot is up in the air. But dum dum. Clever. I see what you did there. 
Yeah, <laughs> I ha I had to work in a pun. I could have worked more puns in there, looking back, but I just didn't have enough time. Right. Yep. Well, with our reviews firmly out of the way, I think we can move on into our industry news. Indeed. Uh, you're and going first. I will be kicking things off here with uh, new anime figurines. Uh, but not just new anime figurines, hyper-realistic anime figurines. Mm. That's right. Uh, Bandai has announced a new figurine line. They're calling Figurine Rise Labo. And there's a bit of a cool innovation with this one. You see, the Figurine Rise Labo series will be focusing on skin. And not in the sense of, you know, just showing more skin, but in the sense that they're going to be using a new technique. Instead of kind of just applying colors directly to the figurine skin using, you know, spray paint or, you know, brush paint or whatever, they're going to be using two layers of material with different with differing thicknesses of the uh, semi-translucent top layer, allowing a greater or lesser amount of the brighter lower layer to show through. So it's getting the color without actually using any color. Mm. Not only does this more closely match the look of an actual skin tone, not having to add different colors to the top layer, Let's designers leave it with a low-gloss matte finish that, in turn, helps emphasize the shine on materials that should be reflective, such as in their first figurine on this lineup, uh, Fumina, who is from uh, Gundam Build Fighters Try. Uh, her swimsuit looks glossy as if it were wet, but her skin looks matte and, you know, as it should. Fabric sleek, skin, not so much. Yeah. Mm -hmm. see that. And after Techie looked this figurine, I was like, yeah, I like it. I like it. It's got good stuff. I like the, what they can do with the skin, too, because this new gloss technique they're using, not only does it allow for a, brighter, a wider range of more realistic-looking skin, but at the same time, it can give it a more realistic texture as well, just for the fact that they can, like, uh, in this one, her body is turned in a certain way where she's pointing, and you can kind of see her ass cheek just jutting up a little bit more than the other one, and it's very representative. Um, I mean, it's a good figurine overall, except for her stand, which just looks like a McDonald's toy, but overall, I like it. My only caveat is that their focus on skin has mm -hmm. them less focused on the face, that's um, true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I've seen hyper-realistic figurines before that had a really good face on them. But this yeah. one, the hair, like, it's very obvious, like, where the hair was attached. Um, mm -hmm. The ear doesn't look finished at all. The whole yeah. thing just doesn't mesh well. Like, the hair itself, it doesn't, like, the gloss on it doesn't look good. It's true, it's true. It looks... That's the thing, the more they make something look high quality, the more the not-so-high-quality stuff will stand out. You know, you, exactly. you gotta go... It's just yeah. like when you have 1080p, and then now it's like 4K YouTube stuff, it's like, oh, wow, this looks amazing. It's like, oh, I can see all the pimples on his face now. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it, it almost in a way can kind of deliver, depending on which character they do, can probably give you a, almost like an uncanny valley sort of like vibe with it, you know, where some things look realistic, but, but then the rest of it doesn't look realistic enough, so you kind of get this uncomfortable look from it. But I suppose there's there's some uh, potential with the technique. Um, I'm guessing it's going to be quite expensive though, this, right? That I haven't seen anything yet. It doesn't look like they've announced any kind of price point behind right. this uh, behind this figurine lineup as of yet. But uh, uh-huh, the uh-huh. features of them have been revealed. Uh huh. So if you were to get any character you wanted for free, made in this sort of style, which one would it be then? The obvious question, I suppose. Well, I mean, even if I had to pay for it, uh, Umineko figurines I love. Any Yandere character. Um, that I actually enjoy, I'd like. Right now, if I were to get a figurine of a character that I'd want to get, I'd probably like to get my hands on a... Uh, probably a Shaltier Bloodfallen or a Alibeto figurine from yeah. Overlord. Uh, both of those right. are the girls who are after Ainz Ulgon's uh, bony dick. And... Uh-huh. Uh, I don't know how they plan on procreating with him, considering he's an undead lynch. Uh, but I'm sure they've got some kind of way in mind because they both want to get pregnant with his kids. Even Life though Shaltier is an undead vampire, and um, Albedo, I'm not sure what she is yet. She kind of looks like a fallen angel, but from uh, what I've heard from other people who have commented on my review of the first season of Overlord. She's actually a monkey. That's random. All right. I know. I was like, a monkey? But why does she have wings? And I was like, wait a second. Wizard of Oz. monkeys from Wizard of Oz. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I see what they did there. She blew. I don't know. She hasn't transformed yet. But we are starting to begin to see the cookie crumble with her because she's starting uh, she made a comment where it was against Ainz, where Ainz has been kind of pro-human as of late not killing a lot of them and allowing some of them to even show up at the and work at the uh, the dungeon or the uh-huh. uh, the the castle as it were and uh-huh. Alibeto made a comment where she was like, useless but she said it in such a like hardened, angry tone when she was looking at something that I guess was supposed to represent humanity, and uh-huh. she was, and it seemed like she was upset with Ainz for his recent actions. But of course, that's completely contrary as to how she normally acts, where she's just yeah. completely infatuated. So, what she was actually stating there, I don't know. All I do know is that she's got a rape scene coming up where she tries to force herself upon Ainz. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> and Ainz is, uh, kind of has to actually get help to beat her off, and then he puts her in solitary confinement for a while. He's like, you need to chillax. So instead of mm. boning you, which I should probably just do, get it boning because they got bones, mm. or you know, just like pulling a bone out of me and being like, here, use this. I'm just going to stick you in solitary confinement where you're going to have to get over it. <laughs> it's like, I don't you know how it works with these women and the solitary confinement's not going to help. Nope. Uh, I, I can already, I can already tell. 
Um, just from your descriptions, that that's not that's not a good choice to make with her. But no. you know, you should just like pull a pull like a like a <laughs> I don't know what's a, what's a good length bone to just give a girl and be like here use this. Uh, maybe you're uh, just pull a rib off. There you go. Just give him a rib. <laughs> yeah, she he, is. The, we're talking about the bony guy, aren't we? The skeleton guy. Yeah, Ein's yeah, yeah. gone. He's an undead lynch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He could probably spare a rib then, yeah. 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 Oh, but just a little update, by the way. After checking down there on the article itself, um, apparently it's fer- 54 American dollars, US dollars, or 56 dollars. Oh, wow, really? That's not so actually that is much. That, is that a good price, or is that... That's pretty damn good, considering what that model itself, that one they showed, and yeah. the new technique they're using... That's a pretty mm. good price. Um, I paid close to double that for a lot oh, of yeah? the figurines I have over on my, uh, my I guess you could call it my anime shrine of figurines ah. I got over there that I have them all yeah, set yeah, yeah. up in uh, uh-huh. my display case of figurines. And in fact, the one I spent the most money on, uh, let's see here. Just trying to look over there. It's probably my Tharja figurine uh-huh. that I have over there. Um, I forget what her price was, but I know she was the one I... No, wait. Wait. Yes, she was the one I spent the most money on. I used to have one that I spent more money on, but she's not there anymore. I gave her away during one of our contests. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> Which uh, we should do another contest sometime again. Oh, I've never been involved in any of those, so you'll have to you have to fill me in on how those work. Uh, oh, basically, with our last contest, it was just like we got our hands on a bunch of like random anime swag. We uh-huh. put up a contest. People applied for the contest. We selected the winners, and then we hmm. sent them the anime swag of their choice. So, with me, hmm. it was like first place winner got to choose from any of the anime figurines I had. Then second place got to choose any of the remaining ones, and third place got to, you know was given the last one. Right, but what do they have to compete in doing? What like what do the contestants have to do typically? Could be anything. It could just be oh. like a random word contest where it's like make us a story that will make us laugh, or um, you know we base it upon something. Last time we had a contest, which was with Rio and I, yeah, I don't remember exactly the context behind it. But I believe it was just like some random contest that we created, and we ended up just selecting winners. Hmm. And, but of course, at that time, we didn't actually have that many participants in the contest because, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, yeah. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. Cool. I, I guess moving on to my next story, we're talking about cancellations, which I haven't heard of anything like this, actually. And I, I was going to say in a long mm. time, but I don't think I've ever heard of this, where an anime gets released and then they cancel the last two episodes. But that has actually happened with last season's anime. I probably pronounced this correct because they have the, the German like umlauts above the A's. Martian Madchen, which was... um. I did. I didn't preview it, but I did it in my lightning round, where it was like a girl who goes into like a book, a, a book world, and there's like a school there, and there's all these other girls, and apparently they're all based on like important literature characters. I think there's a Joan, the, Joan of Arc there. I may be 
talking up my ass, but yeah, there's a bunch of other girls at that school who represents usually famous female literature characters, and they all transform and they fight each other. So it's like a battle, magical girl-ish sort of show. It didn't really catch me in episode one, but it's a good thing it didn't because apparently the last two episodes are not going to be aired anymore. Um, this article that I forwarded, you know, says about how you know it's up in the air whether or not they are going to release episodes 11 or 12 but i can confirm from i think official twitter sources there was like a tweet put out by the mersion anime twitter feed that they it is officially cancelled so the last two episodes have been cancelled which is a disaster to the fans of course um and this was you know this is all concluded after episode 10 reportedly had some really janky animation i i forwarded it to you earlier on the janky animation that was in it where like, the character's oh, yeah. eyes were all over the place so and apparently according to the tweets and um information released by the anime staff and uh, martian Madison's production had had problems in like all over the place which i wasn't aware of from very low paid for the staff that were working on it as well as the series director stepping down um, so that resulted in quite a lot of issues along the way, as, as anything would do if you lose like your director during it. So, unfortunately, the only chances of like there actually being an official release for 11 or 12, because apparently they needed some touching up when they were delayed, but now they're not going to be released. The only chance that fans will have a chance of seeing those last two episodes is potentially in Blu-ray releases, but that's still not even guaranteed either. So, yeah. Um... Cancelled anime. I've never really heard of you know an anime getting cancelled mid-season like this. Usually they at least finish, especially if it's like a short 12 episode series, but um, I guess the signs were sort of there from the start but I, I thought that maybe it would it would get better. <laughs> Unfortunately it gets worse, so yeah. Cancelled anime, that's pretty much it though. Yeah, it's uh, not very often does that happen. No, no. I... I, I... Have you ever heard of that happening? Has that ever happened while you've been watching an anime where it's like, oh, last episode's cancelled, that's it? Once. It happened once with, uh... Forget the... Crap, now I can't even remember what the anime was. But there was <laughs> okay. an anime that came out quite a while ago where the final episode was cancelled but then was released on Blu-ray. Right. Okay. So... I guess if you're a fan, look forward to potentially that happening with the Blu-rays of this, but, you know, who knows at this point. No. Or it might it might be of such a low quality that you'll regret <laughs> buying the Blu-rays, who knows. Yeah. Potentially. Very potentially. Yeah. Well, my friend, that brings me to my last piece of news here, and it's a bit of an amusing story. So, in Japan... More often than not, boyfriends are treated as ATMs, and that the ideal boyfriend or husband is actually a perfect ATM. They're quiet, and they have a lot of money. Mm-hmm. But, while from a certain perspective, it may be great to have a guy with no outspoken opinions who's ready to split, you know, you know, spit out a $10,000 uh, yen bill, or 10,000 yen bill, sorry, $10,000 10,000 yen bill to pay for dinner and subsidized shopping. Taking the ATM analogy to its logical conclusion actually describes a much more balanced relationship. You know, but we got a relationship here that ended with this analogy. The Twitter follower or Twitter user uh, Mafox08, who initially tweeted, 
it as though he witnessed the event firsthand before explaining that he was actually paraphrasing the incident um, that he had heard elsewhere. And nonetheless, here's how it goes. This is what happened when I was at a Starbucks. There is a man saying, let's break up. A woman saying, what? But you told me you love me. You said you wanted to be together even if I used you like an ATM. What am I supposed to do now? The person who's seeing this thinking, would he seriously say that sort of thing? Even if he did, that's pretty ballsy of her to repeat that in public. Mm -hmm. And then the man repeating, look, don't you know how ATMs work? You don't get to make any deposits. You can't make any withdrawals. Uh, so basically, what this uh, basically summarizes is the girl wasn't putting out, but she was just using the dude for his money. Right. Mm -hmm. Which is uh, what a lot of relationships in Japan are like when they're kind of based upon that boyfriend-girlfriend aspect where it's just the boyfriend's there and he's rich and he gets to bone the girl and the girl just takes his money. Well, mm. it's equivalent exchange here. She, uh, this is uh, this is basically Edward Elric she is. She's trying to summon her mother, and she doesn't quite uh, understand that uh, <laughs> it's going to cost guy, him an arm and a leg. A, a guy is not a philosopher's stone. <laughs> Indeed, he is not. And uh, you will end up just summoning your mother as, a, uh, as the representation of sloth. But you're eventually yeah. just going to have to kill by turning her into ether. <laughs> mm-hmm. Might cost Remember you an arm and a leg, too. Yeah, and your brother. Yep, yep. Most of them, at least. Mm-hmm. Well, I believe that uh, does it for our industry news. In yep. which case, we can get to our IRL news. Okie dokie. Well, uh, starting things off, uh, wait, did I get anything good? Uh, they've released the new Fire Emblem Heroes banners, I guess. Going yeah, to Fire Emblem. Yeah. Which has given you a chance to, another chance to try and get the, um, Easter Camilla. Yeah. Uh, if, if you wanted to try and get her, as well as there's a new character, which is the, um, Fallen Robin, but I've not managed to get her at all, and it's ending tomorrow, so I don't think I will be getting her. Um, yeah, and I'm not. I'm not too. Um, huh? I'm not too worried about like that getting her because I looked at her fan art or her art of her character, and I was like, oh wow, maybe she'll have something like it looks like. Uh, Fell Robin male has some really good art. Fell mm, Robin mm -hmm. female, like the variations, not really doing it for me. It's almost no? like um, Easter. Uh, Easter Congedo. It's just yeah. the artwork really isn't, like, inspiring me. But when I saw Easter Camilla come out again, I was like, all right, you can have 20 bucks. And then I didn't get her, <laughs> and I was like, motherfucker. Oh, uh, yeah. It's especially, I think she's a green unit. It's especially hard to get green units, five stars, you know. I don't know why. It's just a thing. Um, Maybe it's the Twin Tails. Maybe you, maybe you just don't like the Twin Tails. I don't know. Uh, well, I definitely don't like her, like, standard character. I like male Robin's standard character design, but female Robin's, I just don't like it. It just doesn't, it's never appear, appealed to me. 
Oh, um, right. Okay. Yeah, like, I've always changed her design in any game I've ever done. Ah, you always, like, change the... Yeah, okay. I understand. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay, fair enough. I, uh... I did not get any, like, the newish characters, although I did get another Gunfra. And I also got the beach version of... What's Xander's little sister called? Is it... Is it Elise? Elise. Is that, yeah, I got the beach Elise character. So, meh, just okay draws, I suppose. Um, though I did upload a video of me clearing one of the, um, you know, the Fell Robin stage. I actually uploaded yeah. a video of me beating that with no damage onto YouTube, and it got surprisingly, like, it's gotten, like, 300 views, which is, like, well, that's more than usual. <laughs> I guess there's a lot of people while the event's still on trying to look for advice on how to beat it, because it is a really hard mission, trying to beat that in an infernal difficulty. But, uh, yeah. Hell Apart yeah, that, it is. Mm, Oh yeah, it's 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 really harsh because it's just you have to be killing constantly, otherwise you'll get swarmed and you'll get murdered. But it's worth it because you get four orbs if you win. So it's like ah, gotta get those orbs, gotta increase those chances. <laughs> and but um yeah, so there's that. Um, and right now I'm just down in London, which is why our connection hasn't been really good for this podcast. But you know, down here on a little bit of an Easter break at the moment, we need to have some nice sushi and eating out, been drinking quite a decent amount. I've been bowling and playing table tennis, just all sorts of outdoor activities since I'm in the city. And I've not had to take the tube once because um, the person I'm staying with has a, has a nice new car. So it's it's good to be in London and not having to take the tube. I have to say that. Uh, you but yeah, my I, car. I go, hmm? What's that? Didn't get it. It's a song. Here in ah. my car. I go, I don't know oh, yeah. how to sing a song. <laughs> I don't know the words, unfortunately. I I, ch- I chime in, but I don't know the word. Oh, actually, one one bit of note before I go into the community bit. Um, I've downloaded um Doki Doki. What was it again? Fucking what was Doki Doki Literature Club? Yeah, that's the one. I downloaded it, but I haven't played it yet because of the business of coming down to London. So, I will I will report next week on that one. I will delay that by All one right. week. That homework. Yeah. Well, just let me know when you finish playing Just Monica. Okay, right, right, we'll do. Right, I'll play that, uh, and I'll record it, and I'll put that on YouTube too. Why not? Um, Did you buy that through your Steam, by the way? I'm sorry, what? Did you get that through Steam? Yeah, I downloaded it on Steam because it's free, so I was like, oh. <laughs> oh, huh? you're in for a treat, my friend. What, is the Steam version different from any other version or something, or what? No, it's just the Steam version has fun. You ever play Metal Gear Solid? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I played Metal Gear Solid. Mm-hmm. You know the part where Psycho Mantis shows up and he's like, so, you like to play Castlevania? Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Doki Doki Literature Club has a bit like that where it starts being like, uh, where, I'm not going to spoil anything for you, but it has a bit like that where it's like, what the fuck? How the fuck do they know? Oh, that's cool. That's cool. It, it kind of reminds me a little bit of like the Stanley Parable, where it, like it boots up Minecraft for a bit and everything, or boots up Portal. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's cool. Right. I'll look forward to that. But yeah, I, I'll move on to community stuff so can, we can get around to rounding things out. I got one new comment on the last episode, uh, which was 550 Kuroko no Neko Heart by Midnight Crew. It's clarifying a few things, including the description about Aho Girl. So Midnight Crew says. 
I should be the one apologizing for the lengthy community segment since I'm the one who kicked off that entire monolith of a discussion. Seemingly for little reason as me and Joey's views seem to line up more than I thought from what he said before. I just interpreted Joey's I would never hit a girl as extending some sort of mercy towards girls that he wouldn't extend to a guy, which is what triggered me in the first place. But, you know, you clarified further. So you guys line up more in terms of opinion. And, oh well, it was fun either way. I enjoyed a good discussion. And yes, I do in fact enjoy hearing your comments read by your illustrious selves. Live responses are a lot of fun. So I want to extend my question to Joey. Does Kyokai no Rune have the same kind of old-fashioned feel that most of Takahashi's work seem to have in terms of relationship and gender dynamics? Just kind of curious if she ever managed to break out of her old tropes, or if she's still the same old-timey lady as always. So... Take it away. Uh, yes, yeah, same type of old timey lady. Like, ah. like I mentioned during my review, she's not updated her relationships to match the current atmosphere of relationships. Um, they're, it's very similar to Inuyasha. It's very similar to Rambo and Half. Um, I've never seen her uh, the other, or I've never read her other one, um, Lum or whatever it is. Right. But I'm guessing it's very similar to that as well. It's just Hmm. very old-fashioned, and it skips a whole section of it, where it's like the complicated like dating aspect, um, confession, that kind of thing, where it just goes from their friends to their dating. Or their married. Hmm. Which, who knows? Maybe maybe it really is just a silent time. Maybe that's actually how people hooked up back then. I don't know. Um, who, who could say? Well, I mean, there's there was a lot of like, um, a lot of uh, like planned marriages where it's just a lot of you know even ah, Rambo yeah. and Half that was the whole beginning scenario. That's right. Rambo and Half yeah, was the, the two fathers. The dads know each other. Yeah. Yeah, mm. we're like, all right, kids, you're gonna get married, and they're like, no, we don't want to get married. That's against our policies <laughs> these days, Dad. And it's just like, well, fuck your policies. You're going to get married. And it's like, but he turns into a girl. I'm not into that. Mm-hmm. And it's typical rom-com stuff where, of course, they hate each other. We'll never end up together. Yeah, they end up together. And then at the very end, it's like, oh, they're married. Ha ha. Joke's mm-hmm. on you, reader. And it's like, yeah, I saw this coming 10 miles away. I think it was a filler episode, but there was one thing that almost fooled me because I think it was like a filler episode of the anime where they go time-traveling, and then in the future, she's actually married to Ryoga instead of Ranma. And has a kid. But I think yeah, what alternate impl- dimensions and whatnot. Yeah, I think they're implying that basically because of their time-traveling thing that they did, they changed history so she doesn't end up with Ryoga instead. Something. I think that's what they're implying. I'm not sure. It was a long time ago. Very possible. There's a lot of problems with time-travel. As, uh, as Steinsgate could tell you, as... As Back to the Future could tell you, as, uh, as any Doctor number Who. of time travel, anything could tell you. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Just As long as you establish the rules and follow the rules, you're fine. You know, you can have any rules you want, but just be consistent. That's the, that's the key rule of thumb whenever you write a time travel story. Or, hey, if you're going to feature time travel story, you don't have to make that the focus, and then that way you don't have to worry about it making sense, a la, a la the film Your Name in which the time travel has a few plot holes in it, but, you know. We can ignore it because it's a good movie in other aspects, I suppose. But, yeah. Anyway. Uh, we got one post in one of the old forum, uh, forum topics, which was about anime openings. 
And then, yeah, again, another emphasis on EDs. Maybe the EDs are a lot more popular than I thought. But this one's by a guy called, or a girl, I don't actually know, called Shield Bro. Actually, the bro really implies it's a dude. I'm just going to say guy for now. I don't really like to watch and listen to openings in an anime, and I usually skip them. To me, it seems like most anime do a better job for the EDs, and I have a lot more of those that I like. As of right now, I only have two OPs I enjoy listening to, which is My Soul, Your Beats from Angel Beats. That's the second time that's been mentioned, I think. And and Days from Mecha, Mechacusity Actors, which I've never heard of. Um, Mechacusity Actors was an anime about kids who had or were uh, learning about supernatural powers they had. Oh, wait, this was a Shaft anime. Was this a yes, Shaft anime? Yes, it was. It was yeah. Shafted to hell and back. Right, yeah. I, I That was in that list. Did you actually watch that top 10 list video yet? Or maybe we just I didn't, but I could definitely see it being in there because it was very much just visual appeal and the plot yeah. kind of like was like you know like hey man what if like they had powers but mm-hmm. the powers had powers and and like someone else is after the powers man it's like <laughs> yeah okay i, I don't Just... want to talk to you mr hippie weed guy yeah Please. it's like teen anime hipster stuff but yeah okay i see i see yeah. what you mean yeah, which is a shame because it's by Studio Shaft, and so like from the clips I saw in that Watch Mojo video, it has style, but like you said, no substance to it, I guess. Because Shaft makes really good looking shows, so when they did Bakimono, they're very lucky that Bakimono has some good writing in there too to back it up. You know, yeah, that's yep. that. And then the current week, this topic for this week's, which was Anime Sona. I know it doesn't work, which was uh, more aligned with characters about. Like or dislike, which anime character do you think most closely resembles your personality and why? So we have uh, two responses this week. The first one being by Zaldera. This is an example I'm sure a lot of people can relate to, which is uh, Izumi Konata from Lucky Star. Mostly because I seem to be rather a, ma- a rather massive geek and I must seem as crazy as her to my colleagues and non-geeky family. Konata is uh, one of the poster childs for... And a ca- an anime character that is also an otaku at the same time. And, you know, she's the main character of a popular anime by Kyoto Animation. So there you go. Yeah, good choice. Uh, I like Konata as well. Um, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to her otaku prowess. Next we have Queen Inoue, who comes in with my personality. Hmm. An anime character that resembles my personality. Sad as it is, I think it may be Umaru. I think she's trolling me. Because, just because I watch a lot of anime, I play games, read manga, and sometimes I eat junk food down and down soda, soda all the time. But then, outside world, I'm good. The part of her that does not resemble me is that I don't have a big brother complex since I had no older brother and I'm not a high school student. Also, my co-workers and friends know full well that I'm what I'm into. Plus, I have other hobbies that she does not have. All in all, I would have to say Himaru from... Kimoto Umaru-chan would be the closest thing I can think of. Um, I, I really hope there's one more thing you can disconnect from me. I mean, the brother complex thing, obviously. I I hope that you're not her in terms of also the personality of, like, I only watched episode one, but, like, when she doesn't get her way, when he refuses to buy her stuff or the anime-related stuff, she immediately goes into, like, a crying fit, like a little kid. Um, I, 
I think you probably overlooked that because I don't think you're like that. I, at least I hope not. Because that's my impression of Himoto character, uh, Kimaru. Um, but yeah, I suppose the eating junk food and playing games and reading manga, that, that all sounds, again, pretty in line with what I'd expect, I guess. Uh, thanks for the answers this week. Well, what about you, Red? What's your, uh, sorry, Red, Joseph, what's, what's your, uh, anime sona for this week? That's all right. Uh, well, if it wasn't obvious enough, I have Batara from Umineko no Nakuro Ni. Mm-hmm. He doesn't believe in magic. He doesn't believe in gods and demons and stuff like that. Uh, he doesn't believe in the witches that are killing his family at that point, even though it's kind of clear evidence that there are supernatural beings at work killing off his family. He refutes the evidence. He says, no, this is nonsense. I don't believe it. It's not happening. Clearly, there's some killer here at work. And Beatrice then is like intrigued and then says, all right, go ahead, show me. How would someone kill your family like this? And he would show them and be like, all right, this is how the guy would do it. And she'd like repeat that in the blue. Hmm. For anyone who's seen that, that just means he has to tell the truth. Um, hmm. With Umineko, Batara is a closet. He's not a closet pervert, but like he's a pervert who enjoys teasing. And a couple times he'll tease Maria. But he'll be like yeah. super kind to her, even though she's like a, even though she's a young young character. He doesn't get perverse around her. He he's just very nice to her. Yeah, he teases her a couple times, but for the most part, she's just family to him, and he acts like a very respectable, almost an older brother to her, even though she's just his cousin. Right. Uh, he is a guy who loves big boobs and a nice ass. He's said it a couple times. And in fact, he's made it very <laughs> obvious that um, Beatrice is kind of like his ideal girl. She's got yeah. nice tits, a great ass. She's got the looks, the blonde hair. Everything about her is basically appealing uh-huh. to him except her personality. Right. Um, mm-hmm. He even makes a joke of during his uh, talks with uh, Birkenstahl um, that, yeah, what would I, what would it be like if I were into lolly girls with flat chests and no ass and you know, a deadpan personality? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and just be, you know, just to be like what his complete opposite would be like. Right, right, and I, I suppose that's the opposite of what you're you're into, I suppose as well. Then I guess. I don't have a preference of chest or ass size, but when it comes to a girl or a guy, what I look for first and foremost is interests. Do they like anime? Right. Do they Um, like video games? If they like both of those things as much as I do, we're going to get along, and that might go somewhere. But if they don't like one or the other, we may not get along. And Mm -hmm. in that sense... I may not be interested. I need what, someone what about, who I like, can... An open mind, though, where like, they're not into that stuff, but they're open enough to at least give it a try and give it a go, sort of thing. Only if they get into it. If it's right. been something like, oh, I've never watched any anime, or I've never been into video games, it's and it's like, I like, okay, well, 
go play Portal <laughs> and go pl- uh, go watch uh, Cowboy Bebop and come back to me and tell me what you have to think. Mm-hmm. And if they say, like, I didn't like Portal or Cowboy Bebop, I'm like, all right, well, we can be friends, but <laughs> nothing can't, more. It can't, it can't go any further than that, I suppose, yeah. Yeah. Mine would be like a trick one where it would be like, Oh, you you maybe you do or do not like anime? Uh, okay, go watch this anime, Eromanga Sensei, and if they like it, then we can't be friends. <laughs> then if they like it, we can't. We sorry, it's not happening. I just immediately, uh, yeah, that's it. That's that's the test for me. It's very similar. <laughs> it's um, like they get the wrong message from it. They come back to you. They're like, Oni Chan. Oh my and god! You're just like he's just certain. You're just like no. <laughs> That no. that goes further. That goes further because like you're saying, that, oh, you know, we can be friends, but we can't be in a relationship. Like if they if they said that to me, that's it. Like unfriended, blocked. I'm just gonna just completely cut you off. <laughs> <laughs> seriously, not seriously. Um, okay, cool, neat. Uh, I just just throw in what characters I because like despite me asking the question, I hadn't really thought that much about what my ones would be. But off the top of my head, I can kind of get a mix of three. I'd say like. A bit of a bit of Death the Kid from uh, Soul Eater because of how meticulous he is and how much he values things like balance. So I suppose that would be one thing. Uh, and then a little bit of L slash uh, Stein from L from Death Note or Professor Stein from Soul Eater. Not because they're smart. I'm not that smart. Uh, I'm not as smart as both of those two. But because of their their struggles to understand and. Um, form close connections with other people at times, you know. So I, I can really relate to, especially when L has that bit towards the end of his story. I don't want to go too much into it because it's a big spoiler of a good of a good show, good slash good manga. But, you know, his, his uh, dilemmas about what his relationship with Light teaches him about himself and his ability to form relationships with others, um, that, that resonates with me quite a bit. Of course, again, I'm not a genius like those two, though. That, that'd be, I think that would be kind of close enough. Slash a bit of the naiveness from Death the Kid. I think that would be kind of my mix. But yeah. Alright. I guess, yeah. Uh, does it for your segment? Uh, yeah, that does it completely for my segment. So take it away with your IRL news. Alright. So for my IRL news, I don't have too much to say. Um, work got complicated at the end of the week. Last week. Uh, our uh, On Wednesday night uh our female coworker who is our newest coworker my newest coworker uh, Vicky she ended up getting pulled over and stopped by the police on her way home or something i don't exactly know what happened but on thursday she couldn't come to work oh uh, due to that yeah. and then on friday she didn't show up to work um. and chris and i were kind of you know i was like so how many days are we going to put up with this until she, you know, is cut? And uh, Chris is, he was just like, days. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, oh, um, how many hours? And he's like, she has until the end of today to get back to me. Ooh. So when I go in on Monday, her desk may very, very well cleaned off. Oh, dear. It may be very well a case of goodbye, Vicky. And, uh, Icky with a V is gone because she, the only reason I could think that she couldn't come in is that her car got impounded or something. 
I don't know right. what the reason is, but she's been burning bridges ever since she started working with us. Oh? Because she's been taking days off when she doesn't have the time. Right. Okay. And Chris was going to talk to her about that. He was going to be like, listen, you can't be doing this anymore. This is it. Like, you take off another day, we're going to end our relationship here. Right. Wait, uh, these are not, like, arranged days off? This is just, like, she's just suddenly calling in sick or something, or what? Yes. Oh, okay. Basically just, like, I'm not coming in today. Oh, dear. Because okay. of this. And she doesn't have the time to take off that. She doesn't have her paid time off yet. And because right. she doesn't have that, she's not filling her quota. Right. While there is no official quota... You should still work your number of days you need to do. Yeah. When you don't do that, you should make up for it. Like if I come in an Absolutely. hour late, mm. which I've never done, you need to work an hour extra. Of course. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. I mean, that makes sense. It's, it is. Uh, did you have the power to fire her yourself or? To what? Uh, did, did you have, do you have the authority or like power level, I suppose, to like, Oh, to fire her? her? No, yeah. but if she were to show up on Monday, I'm going to be like, you're going to have an interesting conversation with Chris. Either oh. you're getting let go, or you're going to be put under probation. Because okay. she's either going to be, Chris is either going to tell her to like pack a bags, go, or mm. he's going to be saying, listen, we need another person here, you're it, you have to come in, no matter what, for the next few months. You can't take yeah. any time off. Not a single day. Not a single hour. You have to work your maximum time. I don't care if you have a medical emergency. Whoa. No. Mm. It's like she's burned her bridges at this point. She can't do it anymore. Yeah, you only get a certain amount of allowances or grace points. I mean, like you, it's sort of a trust thing, isn't it? Where it's like you work up enough trust, then you can take those things off because we, we know you'll make up for it and stuff. But she hasn't earned that yet. Exactly. Uh, and she's, you know, Arnoff is really, really lenient. Like, they don't, like, treat you like crap here. It's not like you take one day off and they're like, all right, you take another day off, you're out. No, it's like, this has been like three days. Three days yeah. where she's just been like, I can't come in. Right, and that's she's not had good other sign. days off where she said, I, I'm not going to come in this day because I have to do something. And it's been fine. But mm. this is it. This is all she's allowed anymore. I mean, yeah, I guess it's like it's not like you're working something like you know those those stereotypical Japanese salaryman jobs where you're expected to do overtime. You know, it's bare minimum sort of thing. But oh, and it's it's early days as well, so it's just like you know, it's it's not a good sign for things to come if that's how it is. So exactly, and that's kind of what Chris and I are thinking is that she's just not going to be a reliable employee. Mm -hmm. And for Arnoff, we need people who are reliable. We need people who to come in, do their job. And do it well. Yeah, understandable. Yeah, and it's not a hard job. All we need is people to come in and answer the phone, and schedule people. That's really it. That's all we need is someone to take those calls off our back, so that we can yeah. focus on doing the real work that comes with our clients. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that's unfortunate to hear. I mean, because <laughs> because of the IRL sections on this on the podcast, we've heard almost like weekly updates on like how she's doing. <laughs> in, in a way, um, it's it's yeah. sad to the saga ends here. Possibly, so I don't know. Potentially, I'm a, I'm, if I'm, I go I'm a in fan on of a. Uh, mm, sorry. Go ahead. 
I don't know, I'm I'm a fan of underdog stories, Shonen Jump stories, so I'm hoping she makes a comeback and then suddenly, like, you know, goes through a changing arc and then a training arc and then suddenly, like, comes back stronger, <laughs> but, you know. Like, real life yeah, doesn't always imitate that. I don't know. Like, Chris was very adamant that if she didn't get back in touch with him on Monday, that that was it for her. So I hope mm-hmm. she did. And she had, like, an explanation for him as to, like, a good explanation as to why she didn't get back to him immediately when he was telling her, like, hey, are you coming in on Monday? But if she's not there Monday morning when I come in, I guarantee you she's gone. Okay, right. Well. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) In other news, more Mm -hmm. lightning news, I started playing Dishonored 2. Good. Mm -hmm. Good game. Uh, yep. I'm playing Corvo, his uh, his run through of the game, just because I I have no interest in playing Emily Caldwin. Um, I like protecting the girl. Yeah, uh, I know it's a very old story. The dude protecting the girl, like the fragile girl. No, Emily Caldwin's a very like powerful woman, but at the same time, I like playing Corvo. He's a yeah. cool dude. I like him. Yeah. Uh, story good. I've had to replay the fucking second mission again, which I'm currently in the process of doing because I got spotted. At some point during my playthrough, a guard saw me, and I didn't hear the cue for getting spotted. I don't know where it happened, so that means I have to restart the whole goddamn mission, which takes about, like, five hours. Joy. Yeah, so (laughs) put a gun in my mouth, just blow my brains out, because I have to do that all over again. Uh-huh. The nice thing about it is that I'm redoing it now, and I'm noticing things like, there's an open window up there. I wonder if I can get up there somehow. And, like, I'll just jump up there. I'm like, wow, I never, I didn't get this place in my first attempt through, like, my first playthrough. Like, oh, wow, there's some coins up here. There's, like, a dude up here. There's some story up here. Oh, this is interesting. Oh, that's that's about it, though. All right. Well, that's not bad. So mm-hmm. I'm noticing things I ha- I didn't see before in my first playthrough. Oh, good, good, good. Mm. Good, but the game has that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, in Fire Emblem news, oh yeah, I've had Zilch Zero and Zapato luck when it comes uh, to uh, fucking getting any heroes. I did shit. get one new golden hero. Oh yeah, I was able to get my hands on Lucius. 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 He's a, I believe it's oh, a I'm not he, sure. The trap guy. Yes, the trap. Who I was like, I think this is a trap. And then I looked up and was like, it is a trap. I it's would trap. fuck him. <laughs> yeah, he's matched Big up. Time. I, I, I think like, actually in canon, mm-hmm. believe it or not, he is the only canon gay relationship in the Fire Emblem series. You know, there's there's a lot of ones that are like, oh, what if matchups, you know, but there's ones that are absolute, like Hector ends up with Lin and Eliwood ends up with Ninian, for instance. But um, no, Raven ends up with Lucius, so they actually are the only canon, I think, gay relationship in any Fire Emblem game. Mm. So, Well, yeah. uh, I mean, in Awakening and in Fates, you can have gay relationships with a oh yeah yeah but you know like but those are not necessarily like canon to the whole you know like they're not 100 percent like oh that's set in stone sort of thing 
but there's ones that right. are like, oh yeah, next game, that definitely happened in the previous game sort of thing. So this is the only one that's absolutely canon sort of thing. Yeah, this this guy, I like this art. I saw him first, I was like, that's a guy, right? That's a guy. That's a trap. I, I was like, I read through his description, and I was like, it doesn't say if he's a guy. It's no he or she used. And then I kept looking at his character models, like he's wearing a dress, outfit, you know, like mage attire. Uh... All right, we're back after some technical difficulties. I was running my mouth about having sex with a trap in Fire Emblem Heroes, <laughs> and yeah. uh, the power cut out on my end mm-hmm. of things here. I'm not exactly sure um, what happened, but whatever did happen, the fucking... The thing here was just like, oh, your computer just shut off and nothing else in your room turned off. And I was like, did my computer just go to sleep? No, the computer just shut off because it's a piece of shit. Oh, dear. Yeah. But that's scary I don't... as well. I thought we lost the whole recording. So. Yeah, and like we spent like something like, what, maybe a couple minutes trying to figure out how to see if I could find the recording which I was able to find huzzah garage band doesn't suck it saved it and I was able to pull it up and so with some minor technical difficulties we're gonna wrap up the show here pretty much yeah <laughs> there wasn't much else to say but the wrap up but happy about no. it otherwise this would have been one of those lost episodes that only our live listeners would have been able to hear yes all one million of them so many gods can't keep up with this chat it's just blown up yep mm-hmm. well yeah. uh believe that does it so uh anime pulse episode 552